drive to create things. You're a writer, a photographer, a musician, a maker. You're ready to make things happen. But chasing creative isn't always easy. Your time and energy go to your work, your family, and your life. Is it really possible to make space for the creative in your everyday? Here at the Chasing Creative Podcast, we believe you can. We're everyday creatives who have insights and action steps you can take today to make your creative plans happen. I'm Ashley Brooks, a freelance writer and editor at Brooks Editorial and a work-at-home mom of two. I would love to devote more time to creative writing, journaling, and blogging. And I'm Abigail Creeves, a writer and photographer behind Inkwells and Images. I'm also a work-at-home mom who is just beginning to learn the ropes of balancing a baby and everything else. And you are listening to the Chasing Creative Podcast. This week on Chasing Creative, we are talking about what counts as creativity and how we define creativity in our own lives. And this idea came up because there's a different Facebook group that Abby and I are both part of. And someone had asked in this Facebook group, what counts as creativity? She said that she was big into crafting, but she always followed a pattern or instructions that somebody else had laid out for her. And she was feeling like maybe that meant that her creative work didn't count or her crafting work didn't count as being a creative person because she wasn't the one creating original designs and that sort of thing. And the responses were all very encouraging, but it got us thinking that maybe there are some of you out there who aren't sure if you count as creative people or who don't know exactly how you define creativity Or maybe with the beginning of the new year, you've got kind of a vague goal to be more creative in 2018, but you aren't sure what that would look like for you. So this week, we are just having kind of a free-flowing talk about what we think counts as creativity. Yeah. It is a really interesting topic because I feel like in my own mind, I really equate creativity with, you know, making and kind of like the maker movement that's really popular right now, Um, kind of following loosely that traditional, if you're a creative person, you paint or you draw or you write or something like that. I feel like that's really the traditional sense of being a creative person is almost the same as being an artistic person. But I would also include things Mm -hmm. like quilting and knitting and cooking and other, they're kind of household type of tasks, um, but maybe not anymore since it's more of a less gender specific type of thing these days. What about you, Ashley? Yeah, I think I can see creativity as being not just um, like that artsy kind of almost like a renaissance type of view of creativity that like jack of all trades or that person who is like painting murals on the walls or something but it's definitely something that can carry more into our everyday lives like I think you can be a creative person in the way that you like if you're a teacher or a stay-at-home mom in the way you interact with kids you can like show creativity in those areas or in those household kind of tasks, um, like cooking or like you mentioned, quilting and knitting where you're following a pattern, but you're always kind of putting your own little take on it. Um, I definitely think that those count as creative, even if it's not necessarily what first comes to mind when most people hear that word. Yeah, I agree. I like that it's a mindset and kind of a way of looking at life and what you do every day. I know Scott always used to say that he wasn't creative 
and he isn't in kind of that traditional sense. He doesn't paint. He cannot draw to save his life, but he can build anything and he can create patterns out of wood and metal. And he's really good at seeing solutions to problems that I don't even know are actual problems. And I feel like that in and of itself is a very creative way to be as a person. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, My husband, Jacob, is very similar to that, where he is a woodworker, and he does like to draw. He's always um, been good at drawing, and that's a large part of his job now, is he's drawing designs and sketches for their customers, and, you know, he has to, like, actually do the geometry of plans for the guys (laughs) who work in his shop so that they know what to build. Um, But for him, so much of that is just in his head. Like, he can look at a simple drawing and just be like, oh, okay, I can build that, and he can see it all come together in a way that I certainly never could, not just because math is hard, but because my brain just (laughs) doesn't work that way. So I think there's a big range of different creative functions. And even like you mentioned, problem solving, I think that's something that Mm -hmm. is like often overlooked as a creative skill maybe I don't know if you'd even call it a creative skill but it's definitely a part of creativity it's an aspect of it that a lot of people use every single day and don't even realize they don't think to give themselves credit for so I almost think that creativity is more of a mindset and a way of approaching your life and maybe looking at things a little bit differently than other people do Yeah. No, I like that. I'm always so impressed by the people who can like walk over to their pantry and see like three ingredients and put a meal together without any kind of recipe or having any idea what they were going to make before they walked over to their pantry. That is definitely not my skill set. And I totally Mm -hmm. think that is a creative endeavor. Oh, I totally agree. The people who are like, oh, it's leftover night. Like for me, leftover night would entail pulling out five separate leftovers and heating them up and then you take your choice. But the people who can take leftovers and make an entirely new meal out of them, I'm like, what sort of magic is this? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And I also kind of feel like it's the beauty of leftovers is that you don't have to do anything new. You just push a button on the microwave. Mm -hmm. But People who can turn leftovers into cool things definitely have some skill that I just don't have. Yes. So creativity, I think, can be found in every aspect of your life, um, which is part of the beauty of it. So um, going back to some of those skills that we had been talking about, like cooking, knitting, sewing, those things where you're typically following instructions or a recipe or a pattern that somebody else has already laid out for you. How can people take hobbies like those and put their own spin on them? Like you saying that creativity is more of a mindset or a way you approach the everyday, I kind of feel that creativity is less about the activity itself. So it's less about the doing the knitting or following the pattern and more about the spirit that it's done in. Um, so IE, you know, I'm cooking to express my ability to create or to blend flavors, to provide comfort for my family, even as opposed to I'm cooking because I have to eat and no one else is going to feed me. So I think even just approaching an activity with more of a creative spirit in mind kind of helps set that apart as being something that is a creative activity, as opposed to just something that you're doing that's following instruction to get something done. Yes, I love that view of it, that different perspective and the why behind 
like the reason behind why you're doing something, I think is so important to take notice of as well, where you're typically not just following the instructions like a robot or like you're working in a factory or something. You've got your own heart behind it. And I think we always sort of automatically, even if we don't mean to, bring our own interpretation to something. So like playing a piece of music isn't any less creative than composing that same piece of music. They're just different types of creativity. And it's tempting to look at that and say, oh, well, the composer is more creative. But I don't think that's necessarily true. I don't think that's something that you can measure and put a number on like that. Oh, I really like that distinction that I would never have thought of the composing versus playing because yes, so often we do, we look at the composing as a more unique perspective or even just something that's harder to do. So therefore it must be more creative. And I definitely don't think that's true now that you bring it up. Yeah. And now that I'm thinking about that, I'm even like how much of our view of what counts as creativity has to do with, um, almost like prestige. So um, like composers are the Mm -hmm. ones who typically get all the credit and then the people who play the music often are, you know, they're usually part of an orchestra or a band. And unless they're like a really well world renowned musician, their names usually aren't up there in lights or like actors oftentimes well, obviously, always get the most credit, it seems like, for movies or for stage productions. But it was the screenwriter who wrote their lines and the actor is interpreting them and bringing them to life, which is kind of the opposite of the composer musician. Mm -hmm. But in that example, you can see how they're both equally creative endeavors and they both bring their own um, spin and interpretation and out-of-the-box thinking to the table, but they just get credit in different ways. It's like what society values more almost. Yeah, that's a really interesting, I guess, example, the actor versus the screenwriter, because how many of us can name five prominent screenwriters? And I bet everyone can name about 50 actors or actresses without a whole lot of effort. Um, And then vice versa, composers. Mm -hmm. I mean, we all know, you know... um, you know, Mozart and Beethoven, but I couldn't name a single individual who sits on an orchestra that's famous, but it's probably also because I am not in any way, shape or form skilled in music. Not my thing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But even so it's just, I don't know. I think it's just an example of how for everybody, like there's It doesn't matter necessarily if other people see you as creative or if you think like, oh, my name isn't the one behind this. Like I didn't invent this pattern or create this recipe or anything like that. It doesn't mean that doing the actual work of making something doesn't count as creative. It's just a different skill set, just a different type of creativity you're bringing to the table. So how could someone who kind of struggles with this, who thinks that they're not a creative person, how could they come up with their own definition of creativity that really works for them? So I wrote this question and then I was like, I do not know the answer to this. So I thought about (laughs) what I do, which is I think about what creativity looks like for me. So I, for me, like I, 
I know everybody thinks of things in different ways, but I think almost in like pictures a lot of the time. So instead of just thinking about like, I'm writing, that's what creativity looks like for me. I have to think about how I feel when I write and how, when I write, how does that change the way I behave the whole rest of the day? You know, am I more patient with people because I got time to do this thing that I really value and enjoy? And do I feel like more myself? So it's maybe easier for me to make decisions because I'm just more in tuned with who I am and what my values are. And so I think about that and I kind of keep it front of mind. And then I think of that as a priority, like how can I achieve those feelings and how can I behave in that way? And that often for me puts my creative life at the forefront without necessarily having to say, I will wake up every morning at 5 a.m. and I will write a thousand words (laughs) because that works for a lot of people, but it doesn't work for me. Um, And so it's kind of just a mental shift that I have come up with I guess it's almost like visualization except that sounds like weird and out Mm -hmm. there and that's not how I think of it (laughs) (laughs) yeah but you found a way to make it work in your own brain which then helps you bring creativity to your everyday life in a way that just that works it's not a struggle for you to be creative anymore as long as you kind of approach it from this direction yeah that's true So what about you? How have you come up with your own definition of creativity that might work for some of our listeners? Yeah, I think so many of us get hung up on being a creative instead of just doing creative things. Mm -hmm. And I know I definitely have in the past as well. Like in order to be a creative person, I have to get up at 5 a.m. and write a thousand words, or I have to carry the trendy moleskin in my backpack everywhere I go, or I need to sit in coffee shops and think big thoughts. And a lot of times I think we get hung up on what it's supposed to look like instead of making that creativity kind of just work in our everyday or just taking something that we like to do or that we want to do, whether it is writing or painting or drawing, and to do it with intention. And I think that's really what being creative is about, is having something that you really value, some activity, and being really intentional about coming to it with um, with goals or with purpose, or even if your purpose is just, I'm going to do this so that the rest of my day goes better. I think that is more about being what creative is about, as opposed to just saying like, oh, I am a creative person. Yes, I totally agree with that. And I think, like, I guess I don't know for sure. Maybe this has always been like this for people throughout the decades. But I wonder if that pressure to be a creative or to have your creative life look a certain way has been increased because of social media and because our lives are so on display on Instagram or through the blogging world or other social media where we just feel like, if we want to be part of this creative community, this group of people that refers mm-hmm. to themselves as creatives, we need to look like they do, which if you think about it is kind of the opposite of being creative, <laughs> um, is conforming to what everybody else is doing. And that's probably not a great thing. I like that, you know, looking at your creative life with intention instead, and just letting that guide you instead of necessarily what everyone else is doing in their coffee shops with their fancy notebooks. (laughs) Yeah. And I think 
You mentioning whether or not people like throughout the decades or centuries have gotten hung up on this as well. And I think part of it is the fact that we get so, at least in today's world where information is at our fingertips, I mean, we can Google anything. There are thousands, if not millions of articles online about how to be a better writer or how to make more space for yourself in your own day or how to have the best routine that sets you up for success. I think we, we have so much access to that information that sometimes we get hung up on the information about being creative that doesn't leave us any time to actually be creative. Like you wouldn't have to maybe get up at 5 a.m. to do your creativity for an hour if for that hour lunch hour you didn't spend it reading other people's articles and instead wrote your own or kind of whatever your brand of creativity is. So I think if we can even just approach creativity, not as something that we have to like learn to do or optimize for our own daily lives and just take the time that we do have and be creative with it. I think that might be a better way for us all to kind of approach whether or not we think we are a creative person and kind of help us reframe it in a way that makes the definition just a little bit easier to attain even. Yes, that is very true and also very ironic coming from us on a podcast where we talk about creativity and sometimes optimizing creativity and being more creative and more productive. And um, we're probably as guilty of it as anyone, but it comes back to that whole conversation about consuming versus creating. And you need to recognize that Mm -hmm. every half hour that you spend reading blogs or listening to podcasts, no matter how much you love them, that is time that you did not spend on your own creative work. And, you know, sometimes if you're driving and you're listening to a podcast, you know, it's not necessarily um, time wasted, but it's something to think about for yourself if you need to take a step back from consuming and stop worrying about if you're doing creativity right, like you said, and just start doing creativity. (laughs) Uh, And who cares if it's right if you're doing it? I'm sure it is. Yeah. So what are some good reminders and resources that can help us get back on track if we are beating ourselves up about not being creative enough or if we are sort of stuck feeling like our creative efforts don't count? So this is always an easy question for me. As usual, I tend to find books to be the most inspirational place to turn to, and I have a feeling that would be your answer as well, Ashley. Yes, I totally agree. And you already (laughs) filled in so many wonderful quotes from two of my favorite books, um, A Million Little Ways by Emily P. Freeman and Walking on Water by Madeline LaEngle. So do you want to share some of those that I think our listeners would really love? Yeah, they're really the cream of the crop as far as writing and creativity and making creativity a part of your everyday goes. Um, Madeline Langell and Emily P. Freeman are the best. Um, so one of my favorite quotes from Madeline Langell's Walking on Water is, but unless we are creators, we are not fully alive. And what do I mean by creators? Not only artists whose acts of creation are the obvious ones of working with paint of clay or words. Creativity is a way of living life, no matter our vocation or how we earn our living. Creativity is not limited to the arts or having some kind of important career. Yes. 
those words just need to like sink in to everybody that creativity is a way of living life. Um, And I think it's interesting that she separates Mm -hmm. it not only from how we earn a living, which is definitely important, but also from our vocation, because I feel like there is sort of this sense in the creative world that, oh, you don't necessarily need to earn money from your work, but if it's not your career, then it's at least your vocation, right? Um, Especially in the Christian creative circles, that's a word that I think comes up a lot. And it's interesting that she takes the time to separate Mm -hmm. it from both of those. Like, don't worry about any of that stuff. It's just the way you live your life. Yes. And that is about as simple as you can get. I also like the quote where she says, um, the discipline of creation, whatever it happens to be, is an effort towards wholeness. And that kind of goes hand in hand with what you had said earlier about how do how does my day look when I am creative? I'm a more patient person. I am a happier person. I feel like so often we aren't whole because we aren't spending time on ourselves and spending time on doing creative work. And so kind of that idea that the discipline of creation is an effort to be whole really, really speaks to me and makes me want to rethink like everything that I do in my life in order to make sure that I'm trying to be whole first. Mm -hmm. I love that as well, where it's like, I think it's tied into that idea of self-care that sometimes gets twisted into people just thinking about like bath bombs Mm -hmm. and like getting a massage and things like (laughs) that. Treat yourself. Yes, exactly. (laughs) And that's not necessarily what self-care is meant to be. I think that equating it with that idea of wholeness and with doing those things that make you more holy yourself are very important. So, and I know our other favorite is Emily Freeman. Did you have any quotes that you wanted to share from her? I don't because (laughs) I could not find my copy of the book in the brief time span that I was looking for quotes, (laughs) but I know that you have pulled out some good ones to share that I am most definitely on board with. Um, So one of those was, If you are worried that your art is a waste of time, perhaps you need to redefine success in art. Are you becoming more fully yourself? And Emily P. Freeman wrote that in a million little ways. And I just love that. It ties back into Langle's idea of wholeness. Mm -hmm. And are you becoming more fully yourself? Like I don't, there's nothing I can say to expand on that idea that if you are... (laughs) doing creative work and it makes you feel more like you, then it counts. That's the simplest definition there is. That's perfect. Yeah. And I know she also also says in a million little ways that being an artist has something to do with being brave enough to move toward what makes you come alive. And so being more fully yourself, doing things that make you come alive. And I even think Lindsay Crandall in one of our very first episodes says that if it doesn't fill her up, if it doesn't like add that spark to life, it's not worth doing. And that just, it matters so much more than I think we give Mm -hmm. it credit for having that, that fullness and our days to be filled with life and life giving things as opposed to just filled with things that we have to do. Yes, totally, totally agree. And you pulled out all the great quotes from two of our favorites. So I have just one short, simple one to add. This is from The Artisan Soul by Erwin McManus. 
And he says, creativity should be an everyday experience. And if that doesn't tie together all of those previous quotes, then I don't know <laughs> what does. Because every day you should be working towards being holy yourself. And every day you should be living a creative life, no matter what your vocation, no matter how you earn your living. And so I like that one. It's short and simple and just a good reminder. I really like that too. I've never even heard of the artisan's soul. Is it, I assume, a book? Yes, it is a book. And I read it a while ago. I don't know. I would have to pull up on my Goodreads when exactly I read it. I remember it being a short and easy read. Um, and I remember that it was largely about the creative life, obviously the artisan soul. Um, so I think I would recommend it. It's been a, a while since I read it, so I'm being very vague and not very <laughs> detailed, but I do remember it as being good and maybe something that people would be interested in checking out if they are grappling with some of these issues about defining their creative lives. Excellent. I will have to check it out because it's rare that you'd hear, you don't, or you have never heard of a book on creativity these days, but with the internet spreading them like wildfire. Yeah. And I don't think it's that old. I'm trying to, I should look it up and like figure out more about this book now that I'm like quoting from it and don't actually remember anything about it. Um, but I don't think it's actually that old of a book. It was, let me see if I can find it here. 2016, maybe? That can't be right. No, it's older than that. <laughs> 2014, it looks 2014, like. 2014, yep. And now that I pull it up, I recognize the cover. So I've seen it somewhere. I just don't remember. Yeah, it has a very colorful cover. Cool, cool. We'll have to check it out. So when you, when you are stuck, do you have any kind of tried and true ways that you can boost your creativity or ways that you would suggest our listeners try and boost their creativity when they're stuck in a rut? Yeah, so one that I oftentimes do for myself that I think is a little bit different is to give myself some limitations around my creative life. Um, and when I think back to most, my most creative times in life, I feel like it was college when I had all of these very specific writing assignments and I was reading all of these very specific authors for a very specific purpose. And I didn't have mm -hmm. a whole ton of freedom in what I created, yet I felt like I produced some of my most creative work. And I think that's kind of always going to be true that sometimes your creativity actually has more freedom when there are limits around it because sometimes having the freedom to just do whatever you want is intimidating and it gives you license to just not do anything so um <laughs> Giving yourself limits like if you're a writer or whatever you do, really just set a timer and be like, okay, I'm going to do this thing for just 10 minutes and see where it goes. Or I'm going to write just 25 words, which is ridiculous. You're not just going to write 25 words. Like you'll go beyond that. Or um, I don't know, like I'm going to write um, a short story today if that's not your usual genre or I'm going to work on a small canvas today instead of a large one. Just giving yourself some sort of parameters mm -hmm. can get you started. I like that making it less intimidating for yourself so that it's easier to dive in. I all, all too often like things aren't the conditions for my creativity just aren't perfect and I don't have the right notebook or I don't have the right amount of time that I would like to spend. And so I just end up 
scrolling through Instagram and not doing anything. Um, so I think that is perfect advice is set limits and just, just do something, just get started in some way, shape or form. That is perfect. Yes. So how about you? What are your favorite ways for boosting creativity when you're in a rut? (laughs) Yeah. My favorite way is really just to go for a walk and alone and without my phone. Um, I feel like if you do those three criteria, go for a walk, don't go with anyone else and don't go with any technology, like no podcast to listen to allows you to really think and think deep thoughts that aren't about anything in particular. I never really go for a walk with anything in mind. It just kind of happens. And then I think more often than not, I can think my way out of whatever problem is facing me at the moment, whether it's something, whether I need to start an essay and I don't know what it's going to be about, or whether I need to make some kind of decision that I haven't been able to work through intentionally. I feel like just going for a walk and letting your mind wander and taking some deep breaths, something eventually comes to you and you feel much better in the end and you've got an exercise to boot. So it all kind of works together towards one really good goal. Yeah, that's a good one. There's just something about being outside that really, like, I don't know, opens up your brain, I guess, to new ways of thinking Mm -hmm. or to new ideas or just to feeling inspired, just like a general sense of like, yeah, Mm -hmm. I should do this. And it's interesting that you say to go alone because I can't remember the last time I took a walk by myself because I always have the kids with me. And although I Mm -hmm. love them, it is a very different type of walk when there's (laughs) a three-year-old pointing out all the dogs you walk past and a one-year-old throwing a stuffed animal out of the stroller every five seconds. And taking a walk alone sounds kind of amazing. (laughs) It it is. Every now and again, after Arthur goes down for a nap and like, I know he's good in his sleep and he's not going to wake up for at least another half hour or something. um, I will just like walk to our mailbox alone, which our mailbox is like, I don't know, a third, a half a mile away. Like we have a really long driveway. And so like, you have to like actually put on real clothes. Cause if you're going to walk that far and someone sees you, you probably shouldn't be in your pajama pants. <laughs> uh, and so that always like resets things for me. If I can get outside and breathe some fresh air and, and just move and see different things, like not keep looking at the dishes on the counter and not keep looking at the laundry that I need to fold, but actually just get out and find new scenery. A lot of times things get unstuck for me that way. Oh, having a mailbox that far away is kind of a blessing because I have, we're in an older house and we have one of those mailboxes that's, um, just attached right outside our front door. So not the Mm -hmm. slot where the mail comes right into our house, but I literally just have to open my door. Like I don't even have to have socks on even in winter. I can open my front door and like (laughs) lean out and grab all of our mail without ever actually setting foot outside, which feels very nice on days like today where our high was like five degrees. I think it was like negative 12 most of the day. Um, So it's nice those days, but I'm a little bit jealous of your walk to the mailbox. Like in summer, that sounds like it would be just perfect. It was really nice this summer because it was a way to get Arthur outside with me too, even to not go alone, but, you know, put on the baby wrap or push the stroller. But yeah, today with our high was like, like nine degrees. I think it was, I'm Mm -hmm. like, I'm not going to bundle a baby up and take him to the mailbox. So all the mail that was supposed to go in the mail today is still sitting on the counter. It can go tomorrow. Yep. There you go. (laughs) 
Um, and then I think both of us would advise reading books for people who are feeling stuck. You know, any of the ones that we've just talked about, like A Million Little Ways or Walking on Water, those are great places mm-hmm. to start. Yeah. And Walking on Water is really nice because it's not a book like a novel or even like a multi-chapter fiction book. It's got just little kind of snippets, I would say, like a page a day kind of book. So you can really dive in and take what you need and leave when your time is up. Yes, very readable. Other options that I've done before in the past that kind of helped, um, if you're not a writer, reading a book may or may not be good for you, but looking at creative work that you aspire to do or that inspires you. So whether that's um, you know, pulling up a favorite painter or checking out new patterns from a knitter that you really admire, anything like that can really help you Um, jog a new idea loose in your head. And I also find that just chatting with another creative friend about whatever it is that I'm facing can help me get unstuck because the odds are that he or she also feels stuck or has at least in the recent past. It's not something that creative people tend to go too long between getting stuck points. So I find that those both have helped me in the past and maybe they would you as well. Yeah, that is very true. And I would say along with that chat with a creative friend, I feel like our podcast episodes are like therapy for me sometimes where I'm like just getting to talk (laughs) to you can oftentimes unblock something that's been stuck in my own head. And that's been really helpful for me because oftentimes you know, it's one thing to like see other people on Instagram or on Twitter or whatever, but getting to actually have a somewhat face to face through Skype anyway, like a real life conversation Mm -hmm. is just so different. So actually having that conversation and not just on your phone or on your email or whatever, but like making the effort to find somebody you can really talk to can make a huge difference. And I feel like having creative conversations, like actually with a person it's a, it engages a different part of your brain than just reading or consuming content. And I think it's that same creation versus consumption argument that we talk about all the time. When you're like participating in a conversation, you're actually creating at the same time. Like you're creating your own thoughts. You're responding to someone else as opposed to just sitting there and like sucking in stuff from the internet. I think it just makes your brain work in a different way and can also really be helpful. Yeah, that's true. It does sort of open up a different portal of your brain, something that um, for me, maybe especially being that I'm home all day with young kids, I don't necessarily get a ton of time to exercise. Um, So it's definitely appreciated on my end anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it's kind of like a little mini vacation at the end of a very long day, which included a lot of grunts and groans from Arthur, but not any actual sentences or even words. Yes. (laughs) Just talking to somebody who's not whining at me to give them food is kind of nice. Let's be honest. (laughs) (laughs) 100%. Yes. And that is about all we really have kind of for this conversation about what counts as creativity. I think Ashley kind of summed it up that everything you do is creative and just being intentional about it is what makes you a creative person. There's not a whole lot deeper we can get than that. Yeah. If you're listening to this and questioning whether or not what you do counts as creativity, it probably does. So you can end listening to this episode (laughs) on a high note, feeling better about yourself and your creative work. So with that, I think it's time for Mini Book Club. 
It is. And it looks like you want to talk to us about the miniature, I guess. Uh, miniaturist. It's such a hard word. <laughs> the miniaturist by Jesse Barton. It is. It's impossible. <laughs> yes. So I need to talk about this book again because last week I recommended it and I had only read like 20% of it. And I'm now thinking like maybe I should have read the whole book before I <laughs> spoke about it. Um, Does it get crazy? Now, to be fair, I'm still... I'm still not done with it. I'm still only like, I think I'm 55 or 60% of the way through the book, but I did, um, like it got to a point where I was like, I need to know where this is going. So I looked up some spoilers for it and read some of the questions on Goodreads. And at this point I'm thinking it's going to only be a two star book for me. Um, so yeah, a lot of the things that, first captured my attention about the book still hold true. The writing is still wonderful. The historical fiction setting is still very interesting and still not something that you hear a lot about. It's in the 1600s in Amsterdam. And it's still a very intriguing plot, but it took a few twists that I was not expecting and it got a little bit weird in sexual type of content. Not necessarily explicit, but just oddly focused. And I got like a little uncomfortable with where it was going and some of the themes of the book. And I think I'm still going to finish it. But judging on what I've read so far, which again, I'm still not done. So maybe I am committing another grave error and I'll have to come back (laughs) next week and be like, no, never mind. It was great. (laughs) Um, But as of right now, I would maybe have to retract my recommendation, I think it could be good for some people, like diehard historical fiction fans, people who really, really like, not necessarily a mystery, but that um, that sort of plot line that tugs you along because you need to know more. It could be really good for that, but right now the only thing keeping me willing to finish it is the good writing style and the historical fiction setting. The rest of it, I I don't really care what happens to the characters. I'm confused about several of their motivations. The plot has gotten odd. The theming has gotten odd. And I spoke too soon last week. Let's just put it that way. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, that is unfortunate that it has, like, it was so promising and now it's fallen to, like, a potential two-star book. But I totally know what you mean by not wanting to recommend something to at least certain people. Like, I want to say that it's the modern Mrs. Darcy and Bogle who says that some books just need what she calls an eight-page edit, where, like, you would love Mm -hmm. to recommend this to someone, but, like, eight pages need to be taken out before you'll tell your grandmother to read it, because it's just going to be awkward if it isn't. Yes. I totally remember her saying that now I'd forgotten about that. And I remember thinking it was so brilliant when I first read it. So thank you for bringing that up again. I should try to find the blog post where she talked about that to link to in the show notes. Cause that was very smart of her. But, um, I think this book, to be honest, would need a little bit more than eight pages because <laughs> some of the, some of the, I'm so hesitant to even say sexual content because that makes it sound so much more explicit or X-rated than it actually is. But it's just become such a prominent theme that I'm like, why is this Mm. constantly being brought up? It's I don't think it needs to be quite so prominently featured. So um, maybe if you took out all the brief mentions here and there, it would add up to eight pages. Perhaps then it could be an eight page edit. (laughs) 
Well, yeah, well, good to know. Well, I'm interested to see how this ends, if it still ends as a two-star book or not, and what your thoughts are. Um, so yeah, thank yes. you for the update. Well, I won't add that to the top of my list anymore. I'll like scoot it down a good handful of rows. Yes, you're welcome. Everybody update your to be read list. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So I sadly have not read anything substantial between the last time when I talked about the history of love, which is such a wonderful book. Um, it's, oh, I always find it kind of hard to pick up a book after you've just read like one of your perennial favorites. Cause I always mm-hmm. think that the next book is going to be just a little bit disappointing, no matter how good it is. Yeah, I totally agree. I almost feel like jumping into a nonfiction book is easier than trying to find a fiction book that will measure up to one of your all time favorite fiction books. <laughs> yeah, that is a good point. So I actually did start reading one of my favorite nonfiction books, which is bread and wine by Shauna Nyquist. It's one that I like to read about this time of the year because it just feels like a this time of year Mm -hmm. book, kind of cozy and warm and it's kind of like a cup of cocoa in a fireplace kind of book. Um, But in the meantime, Scott and I, we were gifted a book for Arthur this year and it is a delightful kids book and I want to let everyone know that they should read it. It's called Bear Snores On and it's by Karma Wilson and Jane Chapman. And it's, I found out it is one of like a series of books about bear, B-E-A-R, like the bear. And it's just a delightful little book about a bear who's hibernating and all of these little animals come and like set up a party in his den. And when the bear wakes up, you're expecting the bear, of course, to like eat all of the tiny little animals, but he doesn't. It's got a really sweet ending. And so I'm not going to spoil it for everyone. But that is my recent favorite book that I've read and have had to read to a small child multiple times a week. Yeah, I have never heard of this book, but I'm always, of course, looking for good picture books to read with the kids because anytime we can get something Mm -hmm. new in our rotation that we know is going to be a winner for both us to read and for them to enjoy is always good. So recommendations from other parents are like the best place to find kids books and I just looked this one up on Amazon to add it to my list of things to buy in the future. And it has (laughs) 4.8 out of 5 stars from 547 reviews. It has almost a perfect 5-star rating, you guys. This is a good kid's book. (laughs) It is. And I feel like the illustrations are really pretty... Um, it's not like one of those super bright and like garish children's books that kind of assault your eyes. So I, I highly recommend it from both a literary and aesthetic point of view. Yes. Well, that is absolutely delightful. I am definitely adding that to my list for the kids. That's wonderful. I have discovered that my ability to now buy children's books without like feeling weird about it, i.e. I'm I'm a childless individual who wants to buy these kids' books. I no longer have that issue. I can just buy kids' books, and it's kind of bad. It's it's just bad for me. Yeah. I sometimes get a little too excited in the kids' section of Barnes & Noble, and I'm like, they still cost money. They cost a little bit less money, but not that much less. Let's rein it in here. (laughs) Yes. And honestly, at this point, like, if you hand the book to Arthur, he's just going to chew on it, so you know, maybe we'll just keep reading the same 10 books over and over again until you no longer eat books. <laughs> yes. Although I will say once he's out of that stage, if you have any free little libraries in your area, obviously the actual library is a good place for kids books too. But 
we have several free little libraries around us. There are like six within a five block area of us. It's ridiculous. We have so many. And there are always kids books in ours. Um, and I try to keep them mostly for Hadley because Reagan is, she's almost 18 months. So she's still at a fairly destructive stage. Um, Mm -hmm. but it's really great for Hadley to just have like a couple other books to throw in on rotation and then we'll take a walk and go put them back later. And there's no, like, you don't have to worry about due dates. You don't have to pack the kids up in the car to make a library run. You just have to take a walk and it's really kind of nice. Well, that sounds like an excellent idea. I, I, there is absolutely not going to be a little library in walking distance of me, which maybe means I should put one at the end of my driveway for everybody else. We'll see. Yes. Oh, you could be the keeper of yeah. the library. The keeper of the little library um, for all you know, three cars that drive by our road on a daily basis. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> but... Well, that is all I think we have for this episode. So next week, I'm sure we will come up with some new thing to talk about in the creative realm. It feels like there is never going to be an end to what we can talk about as far as creativity is concerned. Thanks for listening to the Chasing Creative podcast. If you like what you heard in this episode, be sure to stop by ChasingCreative.com to check out the show notes, catch up on past episodes, and subscribe to the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you'd leave us a review on iTunes. You can also join in the creative conversation by tweeting to us at Abigail E. Creeves or at Brooks Editorial, or by using the hashtag ChasingCreative on Twitter and Instagram. If you'd like to help us bring this podcast to life each week, find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash chasing creative. And if you have any feedback for us, drop us a line at chasing creative podcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Until next week, go chase your creative. <laughs>